Hello, everyone, and thank you for attending our webinar series on COVID-19 vaccination in Southeast Asia. Today, we will discuss vaccination and employment law in the Philippines. My name is Marion Carl, and I'm a senior legal advisor and head of the Upsales Employment Practice Group. For those who are not familiar, we are with, who are not familiar with the FDL, sorry. We are a law firm based in Southeast Asia and we specialize in emerging markets. We are present uh, in nine countries and employ over 150 advisors and more than 300 staff. We have a team dedicated to labor and employment across our various offices to ensure that our clients receive constant, seamless and appropriate legal assistance when employment-related issues arise. Joining us today on the program are Christina Suralvo and Karen Ocampo, who are both partners in the Philippines. Welcome to the program, Christina and Karen. How are you doing today? Thank you for the introduction, Marianne. Um, we're doing fine. We're working from home and we've been doing this for the past 14 months. <laughs> Yeah, and thank you so for how you know we can adapt how we how adaptable we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, we have to make do with what we have right now. Um, yeah. Okay. So now maybe we, we, we can kick off and actually before we uh, before we start, if you could perhaps you know uh, give us a little bit of background and, and uh, information as to the current situation in the Philippines right now and, and also in terms of the vaccination campaign, whether you know the vaccinate, vaccination campaign started uh, or, or not in the Philippines. Um, yes, uh, thank you, Marion. Um, in fact, um, the vaccination campaign in the Philippines has started. The official rollout of the vaccine program, but prior to that, there have been preparations and various guidelines and interim rules that have been issued. Um, the government aims to vaccinate up to 70 million Filipinos by the end of the year. Um, as of uh, May 9, the information that's reported um, in uh, the Our World in Data project is that there are 2.4 million total doses that have been administered to um, individuals in the Philippines. No? Um, but one that's less than 2% of that is um, um, uh, the total uh, individuals, uh, percentage of vaccinated individuals, and um, um, maybe 0.4% is recorded as um, being uh, those who are fully vaccinated. No, so, um, in terms of the vaccine procurement, the national government um, um, has, in fact, um, um, released some um, laws that would um, uh, make it easier no, or, or that allows uh, the private sector to buttress the vaccine program of the government. So, in fact, there was a law, it's uh, Republic Act Number 111525 or the Vaccination Program Act, no, which um, allows uh, which states that private sector companies are allowed to procure vaccines, you know, provided that um, they enter into a, a multi-party agreement with the national government and um, the manufacturers of the vaccines, and provided that the vaccines uh, that are uh, procured are um, have already been granted uh, emergency use authorization. So I think this is what um, affects um, the private employers most, you know, this, um, uh, the, the one on um, um, procurement by private entities. So, um, yeah, so that's it for, um, for the, the vaccine drive. 
very interesting and encouraging. <laughs> so it's great to hear that, you know, uh, jurisdiction and countries are progressing in their vaccination campaign. So um, thank you very much for, for this introduction. And maybe now we can move a little bit more uh, and deep further into the uh, uh, the core of, of our discussion, which is, you know, the impact on, on of vaccination on the employment landscape. So the first, the first question we get uh, quite often from our clients is, okay, can, you know, an employer require its employees to be vaccinated now that, you know, the vaccination campaign uh, started? Um, in the Philippines, uh, vaccination is voluntary, so the employers cannot force its employees to uh, undergo inoculation. So it's really voluntary on their part, but the Department of Labor Employment um, encourages employers to have a vaccination policy to encourage their employees to get vaccinated. Um, in fact, the Department of Labor issued several advisories already to encourage the private sector or the employers to um, entice their employees to um, to get vaccinated. Yeah, okay, interesting. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, and Christina, I, I mean, this question is also for you uh, since you're very specialized in labor and employment. But um, so, so for workplace with, with trade unions, you know, or other mm -hmm. form of collective representation, is an employer obliged to consult with them prior to implementing employee vaccination? Since I understand that private initiatives have been taken in, in, in the Philippines. Yeah, um, if there are trade unions, then it would really depend on their collective bargaining agreements. If there's such a provision um, requiring the employers to um, consult first with the unions or the trade organizations before implementing any vaccination policy or programs. But in general, whether it's um, a unionized or a non-unionized um, workplace, the labor code requires the employers to consult with um, employees if in um, in cases regarding their um, their own um, um, their, their welfare health and also their conditions of work so even if the in ununionized um, workplaces even if the final say is still with the mm -hmm. employer the employers are required to consult with mm -hmm. their employees to yeah, get their yeah. feel or their feedbacks from for any uh, possible um, implementations like the vaccination program. Mm. Well, I mean, that makes a lot of sense considering, you know, the potential side effects and the implication of, you know, the vaccination uh, on individuals. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it totally yeah. makes sense. Thank you very much. Um, so yes. another question, and there are other questions that we also uh, get a lot from our clients is in terms of, you know, uh, data protection and how we, you know, um, vaccination can, you know, trigger data protection issues. So is there, I mean, is there first any data protection law in, in the Philippines that could apply and is an information concerning an employee's vaccination uh, considered as health information or, or sensitive data? And does this law, if it applies, and I think Karen, you will be the one uh, addressing this question, right? Yes. Um, yes, in fact, the Philippines has a Data Protection Act. You know, it's Republic Act number 10173. Uh, it was passed in 2012. 
And um, under this act, no, um, health data is sensitive personal information. Um, but uh, as regards vaccine, vaccination data and vaccination card um, uh, re records, no, um, the National Privacy Commission, which is the uh, regulator of privacy law in the Philippines, has actually come up with an advisory opinion where it specifically, but it refers to another vaccine, but it specifically stated in that advisory opinion that um, vaccine data and vaccine card information are in fact sensitive personal information. As sensitive personal information, therefore they're like specially protected information that need to um, uh, to follow certain conditions. No? Um, these are what we call the section 13 conditions. No? Um, and um, basically it's a narrower range of conditions um, that have to be to exist in order for um, a controller to be able to process personal information. No, so as sensitive personal data, personal information, um, health data, vaccine data is in fact subject to certain more stringent requirements. When you speak about these requirements, I'm actually <laughs> curious. So, uh, what are the restrictions, you know, as that applies uh, in the event of collection and processing of, of, of these uh, type of sensitive personal data? Yes, um, the general rule under um, Section 13 of the Data Privacy Act is that the processing of sensitive personal information is actually prohibited you know, unless um, certain conditions exist. You know. Um, the first condition that's mentioned under this provision is that consent has been given. There are other conditions, such as you know, if, if um, the processing is required by existing law, you know, and the law itself uh, specifically does away with uh, securing consent. Um, there's, uh, the other uh, condition is if it's necessary to protect the life and health of a data subject, but um, the data subject is not legally or physically able to express his consent. It's another one. The other is um, um, for medical treatment you know, in cases where it's a medical practitioner that carries out the processing or a medical institution that carries out the processing. Uh, and then uh, one last important one is to protect um, lawful rights and interests in case of court proceedings you know, or to defend your legal claims. You know. So if you look at these uh, conditions, you know, these are not, uh, these are really narrower because what are missing here are the conditions that, um, that exist if you're only processing personal information and not sensitive personal information. So things like contractual necessity, you know, or where you're fulfilling an employment contract is not as one of the conditions for, for, for um, processing sensitive personal information. Things like legitimate interests are not included under mm -hmm. Section 15, which makes it a really a narrower one and which is, makes it advisable in more cases than, than others that um, consent be secured from the employees uh, to put you right um, there at the, the very first condition for um, processing sensitive personal information. But aside from um, these, um, uh, the, the, the requirements under Section 13, there are also requirements on transparency, on legitimate purpose, um, and also for, for uh, um, uh, uh, the legitimate purpose and transparency. And it's important that um, employee, employers um, make sure you know, to keep sensitive personal information at utmost with 
uh, use utmost confidentiality in processing it. Um, in fact, the National Privacy Commission issued a public health bulletin, and it's actually issued 19 since the start of the pandemic. No? And in this, in this um, latest one, which is for vaccination, it's really intended for uh, vaccination um, and the processing of personal data uh, under the vaccination program. The National Privacy Commission clarified a lot of things. No? It, 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 it uh, reiterated the need to, to not use privacy as an excuse for, um, for not um, complying with the requirements of the Department of Health, for instance, no? and uh, to make sure that um, security measures are in place, no? physical, organizational, and technical security measures in place when you're processing. Um, it takes for uh, it um, that consent is prior to um, sensitive personal information um, processing. So um, there are a lot. There were a lot of um, um, requirements mentioned by the the Privacy Commission in this latest um, issuance, and maybe we can discuss this. If you have questions about it, then you can you can just send us an email afterwards. But um, in general, utmost confidentiality, security measures, and um, one thing they emphasize is please do not post in public platforms these vaccine cards, uh, vaccination data. They, because um, yeah. apparently this has this they saw some um, some companies or some entities posting the vaccine cards in uh, social media platforms and they absolutely mentioned that this cannot be done. Mm. I, I mean, this is a very interesting point, and and we have seen this in some of our, our jurisdictions. You know, uh, for instance, in restaurants, you know, employers putting you know the vaccination card in front of the restaurant to you know to say, hey, look, uh, for the customer, our employees are vaccinated, so this is not recommended, right? Yes, it's not because in in a public uh, um, um, medium, then it's very easy to repurpose. Mm. The show, and uh, this is one of the things that we have to 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 make sure is not, does not happen. The repurposing of uh, consent provided or the the, the authority for uh, the processing. Thank you, thank you, Karen. I mean, this was very interesting and, and very practical advice. Thank you for this. Um, so now maybe we, we we can go back a little bit more uh, in terms of uh, you know. Implication on on labor and employment, and and Christina, this this question will be for you. Um, we get this question a lot. So, can an employer terminate employees who refuse to be vaccinated? Now that you know the vaccination, a vaccination campaign has been rolled out in in the country. Yeah, in the Philippines, definitely no. It's a no. Um, you cannot terminate an employee for refusing to get the vaccination. In fact, the Philippines has a very strict um, labor policy against terminations. And in fact, it's in the Constitution that um, employees have their rights as a security of tenure. So the non-agreeing, uh, not getting the not getting the vaccination is a no-no. It cannot be a ground for termination. We have very uh, clear guidelines from the Department of Labor on that one. Um, they also issued well, actually, they reiterated in their latest advisory that um, not getting the vaccine should not affect the status of the employees with regard to um, promotions and um, tenure, trainings, or even pay or other benefits. So 
definitely it cannot be a ground for thank you thank you yes yeah, so that means that employers can cannot discriminate in any way their employees uh, based on the fact that you know some of them have you know taken the vaccine and some of them didn't or, or didn't want to take it but yeah okay uh, very yeah. noted thank you um so and maybe the last question uh still for you christina and this one is interesting because uh you know um i i think the employer must find a balance between you know ensuring the health and safety of the employees at the workplace but at the same time you know uh recognize the, 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 the freedom in, in accepting to take the vaccine or not. So can an employer require employees who cannot or will not agree to vaccination to refrain from coming to the workplace? Yeah, you're right. This has to be a balance of the interest of the employees and the employer. Um, in this case, if it's part of the Occupational Safety and Health Program not to require the employee that has not been vaccinated to come to the office for his protection, um, it is possible. Um, they can, the employer can um, develop a program that, that that employee can work from home. But again, um, that program should not be discriminatory. So the employee should, the non-vaccinated employee has to have all the same benefits and rights as the other vaccinated employees. So there, there's really that risk on the part of the employer that this measure can be seen as a discriminatory action on its part, but um, the employer can justify it by saying that it's really as a part of their OSH program, the Occupational Safety and Health mm -hmm. Program, but again, that um, program should not be discriminatory and it would not tantamount to a constructive dismissal of that employee. So, so it should really be on a case-by-case -case basis, I think, depending on, you yeah. know, the industry, you know, the likelihood that, you know, uh, some employees can, you know, transmit the, the, back, the, sorry, the, the, the virus and everything. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, Thank you very right. much. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so maybe we have a few minutes to, to take a look at the audience questions and uh, I can see that we have uh, a question on the, apparently there is a pending pending bill on, on pandemic leave. Perhaps Christina, you can, yeah. Yeah, um, well last year the Congress, the lower house has um, some congressmen from, um, from um, developed a bill that allows pan a pandemic leave, a paid pandemic leave, leave of um, 14 days. But as of uh, late March, this has not yet been um, passed into law, but it has passed the lower house um, employment committee. So we'll see if there will be any developments in the very near future. But if um, this is um, welcome for the employees that um, they're given some paid leave in mm this in these situations so there would be based on the draft bill um there are different conditions for availing of the the leave um it can be from 14 days to a maximum of 60 days for in some situations but uh, we at the moment we do not know if it will be the same bill that will be passed into law maybe in the future we can also um, issue an advisory on this one if there's uh, any development. Of course, and, and we appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, this is an unprecedented time and 
and this is still a developing area. I think we will see a lot of changes in the coming months, you know, in terms of, you know, employment uh, protections and, and guidelines for sure. I mean, this will be a very interesting uh, period for us <laughs> lawyers. <laughs> Uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Christina and, and Karen. It was a pleasure to have you today. Um, so uh, the audience, if you have any questions regarding this webinar, please feel free to contact me, Christina and Karen. Uh, you can find easily our, our contact information on our website. So that concludes our webinar for today. Thank you again for participating and I'll see you next time. Thank you, Christina and thank you, Karen. Thank you, Marianne.